and welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links in WNBA news, analysis, and coverage. Thank you for tuning into another episode. I'm your host, Mitchell Hansen, and this week I'm thrilled to be joined by Sloan Martin, um, who is a play-by-play broadcaster, sideline reporter, kind of jack-of-all-trades when it comes to the broadcasting world. You see her, if you're a Lynx fan, you see her uh, all the time on Valley Sports North. If you're a basketball fan in general, you maybe see her on Valley Sports North, you maybe see her on Big Ten Network, you maybe see her on CBS Sports Network, you maybe see her on FS1. Kind of everywhere. Uh, and, and Sloan is, she does a lot of um, sideline reporting for Valley Sports North right now. She does some fill and color commentary. Um, she also, uh, you know, does a lot of uh, women's basketball uh, play-by-play for, Bal- or, uh, excuse me, Big Ten Network. Um, and like I said, she's, she's kind of everywhere um, on social media, um, on, on your television. And, and she does great work with, with covering um, the women's game, covering the links, covering the WNBA. Um, and I'm really thrilled to, to be joined by her this week. Um, we we kind of talk a little bit of, of everything. We talk about the broadcasting world. We talk about the basketball um, aspect of things with the links. Um, we kind of go a, a little bit of a deep dive of what it's like to be a broadcaster, the preparation that goes into being a broadcaster, what it's like to be you know in in the game and in game um, you know broadcasting and and kind of everything that goes into that aspect. And then we transition to you know a little bit of the the WNBA where the links are, um, you know where where they are as a team um, as as we're recording this podcast. The Lynx are four and nine going into the the new week. They play Seattle um, this Tuesday um, at Target Center, and um, you know it. it we we kind of talk about that. We talk about the transition period, kind of coming out of the dynasty, where Minnesota's at right now, where they're going to be going into the future, and that also leads into um, a little bit of college basketball talk. The prospects that could be available at the end of the year, into the next year's draft, even into the year prior, or uh, you know beyond that. Um, that basically the next few drafts um, are going to be filled with with talented college prospects, and and there's no better to t- a person to talk about it than Sloan, um, who who like I said has been covering the WNBA, um, covering women's basketball. Um, you know she's very familiar with the players that will be coming in and the players that are in the WNBA right now. So um, it was great hearing her perspective on on the game itself um, and covering the game. She's been uh, you know kind of around the game for a while. Um, she started as a, as a journalist, um, you know, covering the links, and and just kind of transitioned into the the radio broadcast um, and, and TV side of things. So it's it's been uh, you know great to obviously see Sloan, um, you know, cover the game, um, you know, to have her join the the talented Valley Sports North crew, um, you know, alongside Marnie Gallner and Lee B. Olson and company, um, and, and they make a make a very very solid team. Um, and, and not only is she solid on, on the broadcast, but she, she's a great guest to, to have in the podcast. And, um, you know, it's, it, it was, I'm lucky to, to be able to, to chat a little bit with her um, and to dive into things, all things basketball. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's podcast with the one and only Sloan Martin. Sloan Martin, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for the invite. Yes, I, uh, I, I, I just talked to you a little bit before this podcast that, or before the recording that, um, you know, I've, I've been trying to to get a little bit of, you know, a wide variety of guests and in kind of the the broadcast aspect and in kind of that area of of the game, I haven't really tapped into a ton yet. So I, I wanted no, you know, no, no better place to to start than Valley Sports North and 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 you know what you provide and you and the rest of the crew provide, uh, you know, Lynx fans and Lynx coverage. So I. I appreciate you joining and we're going to talk a little, maybe a little broadcast, a little basketball and, and kind of everything in between. So thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I think it's interesting too, because I've kind of worn so many different hats around the team. I've been a journalist. I've been part of the team broadcast. So I've seen it kind of from uh, multiple different angles. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, before we get started, would would you be able to just kind of you know introduce where people can find you, where they can find your work? They can they can find you all over TV. You're you're doing a little bit of everything, but on social media, wherever it may be. Oh yeah, here's the whole spiel. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> at Sloan Martin on Twitter, and that is S L O A N E. There's an E at the end, and on Instagram, it is underscore Sloan Martin. Um, of course, on Valley Sports North, you can see me on the sideline, and also filling in play-by-play in color as well. Uh, if you are a women's basketball fan, you should be watching uh, your local regional teams on Big Ten Network, uh, and of course the Gophers as well. Uh, you'll hear me there, and the Big Ten tournament is. As well a cbs sports network fs1 as well for women's basketball well i i know i i don't just speak for myself i speak for everybody that it's it's you know what the covers that you provide and in the kind of the, the information and everything that you provide not only on social media but um you know on you know when it's game coverage um it's definitely great so um i, I don't want to sound weird and saying keep it up but keep it up it's great yeah i mean that's that, that's awesome so I, I appreciate everything that that you do and it's it's cool to follow along so thank you hey, we all need to hear that you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> i agree it. i agree yeah well let's dive right into things um i i kind of just want to you know i we, we just kind of talked about what what you do for not only um you know women's basketball but specifically for the links um, you know, this year, kind of joining the crew of, of Libby Olson and Marty Gellner in, in joining Valley Sports North to kind of have a couple different hats that, that you provide. Um, what I guess overall, what what's it been like so far and, and what's it like covering uh, covering this team? It's not your first time covering the team. You've always been around the team. But what, what's yeah. it like to to cover the, the team this year? You know, it's really interesting and fun, and it's it's a much different thing than I'm used to. You know, I had been the radio broadcaster in 2019, so you're used to being around that team that day in, day out, where you know them up and down, where you are preparing for the next game, and you don't even have to update that much because it's all up here in your head because you just know this team up and down compared to what I normally do throughout much of the year as a national broadcaster, where you are just showing up, and here are your teams, and it's going to be new really frequently you know I end up through the course of the season seeing every single Big Ten team all 14 soon to be 16 of them I started doing Big East games last year as well and so that was a new introduction for me too so it was fun to go back to being in that team environment where you were kind of in there with them day in and day out they know you so well and uh, you know getting to the point where you can say hello at any time you know there's hugs stuff like that and uh, you know that is a cool thing to be a part of too but I think it really is the crew that makes it so fun you know it's interesting I had worked with uh Leah a couple times um coming into last season when I first started with Valley Sports North but even Marnie and I even being you know like pretty prominent uh women's sports broadcasters here in the Twin Cities had not had a whole lot of interaction just didn't cross paths very often there was really you know nothing more to it and then finally I get to work with her and know her and of course everyone knows she's just as fantastic as she is on TV or on the radio so getting to know that whole crew really well has been fantastic too but I would say being embedded with this team with a team broadcast that's been uh, fun to be a part of again and a little change of pace from what I'm used to throughout the year mm-hmm. what do you do you have a preference in 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 what you do do you do you like doing the sideline stuff do you do you prefer maybe doing a little color play-by-play do you or do you do you like having kind of that variety of, of having different things that kind of changing things up do you prefer any any aspect of that 
Yeah, you know, I definitely prefer, I really do like the variety quite a bit. I think as versatile as you can be is what's going to benefit you. And that's why, I mean, also just generally in my career, that's something I've always really prioritized. I also do volleyball, softball, hockey, football, just to be working year round. Um, I mean, play-by-play is definitely my job. You know, that's, that's my main job. That's what I do throughout the year. But sideline also gives you that different perspective and it gives you that different perspective. So when I'm in that play-by-play chair and I am working with a sideline reporter like for the Big Ten tournament you know what those interactions are like those expectations and having that back and forth and that's really important to have that entire cohesion with the broadcast you need to integrate the sideline reporter because they're working just as hard they're preparing just as hard but they have to put everything that they've been working on into a 25 second chunk whereas I have the whole time to just talk however I want and really let's be sure here that the reason I do this is just because I like to be talking about the things that I want and the things that I'm interested in but uh, when you are sideline reporter you have to have that restraint and and know exactly what this broadcast needs to hear what the viewers need to hear that you can work into the conversation that's already happening that's maybe the most difficult thing about doing sideline is that you don't have control over the direction of of that conversation. So you may have an idea, you might be ready to go, but the broadcasters in the booth have maybe already kind of gone on to something else. So I think having that perspective, seeing where that fits in is really helpful for me in my regular job as a play-by-play broadcaster. Cause coming into last year, I'd actually never done it before. Of course I'd been a reporter. So, you know, interviewing people being on camera is, is not new, but in that role specifically uh, has been a really good learning experience. And then also being able to do color too is fun filling in for uh, Leah B. Olson because I get to just kind of um, just say more about the basketball that I want to say. You prepare in a little bit of a different way. And, uh, you know, it's fun to see like Sloan as the color analyst instead of the like more formal play-by-play broadcaster. I So you you kind of mentioned the, the Valley Sports team of, well, specifically, I'm going to ask about Marnie. Have you rapped with Marnie yet? I know she's, she's into rapping. Have you rapped maybe, maybe between commercial breaks? What, have you done any of that That yet? was a brand new skill <laughs> that she revealed to me and maybe everyone else who was there. Um, but now I guess I'm going to have to, de- I can't even say up my game, maybe develop a skill because it's non-existent right now. But uh, no, nothing that she would say <laughs> or do or whatever, whatever surprised me, to be quite yeah. honest. <laughs> How about a halftime performance? When the halftime performance is going on, you and Marnie can just, you know, break out and, and during a game when you're calling yeah. the game together. You know, <laughs> if we had some time to prepare, maybe, <laughs> maybe there's there's a really high bar for those halftime performances that um, you know, maybe I can be the backup tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it comes to to the preparation that you talked about with with going into a typical game day, what what does that look like from from your side of things? Yeah, I feel like it is, um, I like to compare it to studying for a test, really. That is uh, something that also led me in this direction of my career as well, is that I always enjoyed school and did well in school. And instead of, um, you know, going on in academia and uh, getting further degrees, that was something I did kind of consider because I always really liked um, school and, and learning and gaining knowledge. I instead decided to pick the the very low paying path of being a journalist and, and going that way. But um, no regrets there about how things have worked out and the skills that I've gained along the way. But it really does come down to studying 
I am looking up, uh, you know, local news, past interviews, watching them, um, reading a lot. A lot of it is just reading, catching up on things. So you have this full picture of both teams that are coming in, even though this is a team broadcast, this is a Minnesota Lynx broadcast. I'm just as invested uh, in what's going on with the opposing team. So I am watching their recent interviews, reading local news articles about those teams as well. And then also, it's also just looking at numbers and box scores. And there's so much out there now that makes that a lot easier. Her hoop stats is out there for sure. The WNBA stats site has really stepped things up. But you're also, that comes from you, you know being able to find these trends, having the knowledge to pick things out. And especially during this time when there is so much knowledge out there, picking out what is important for the listeners to know, because you can be so bogged down, so inundated with however many numbers and getting really deep in the weeds. But what is going to best tell the story about this team in this moment, in this game, in this specific matchup and having to be selective about that. So those are all things that I, you know, work into my prep. The thing about the WNBA that makes it easy is that maybe this might be a funny thing to other broadcasters, but I'm not usually unlike other sports like football or hockey for sure, where numbers are the most important thing to having a successful broadcast. For the WNBA, I just know everyone. I know everyone's face. I know everyone's background because I am so um, inside women's college basketball and have been my entire life. I've been so passionate about this game. So I've watched everyone's careers and I know their story and their backgrounds and what they did as college athletes. So that takes a little bit off my plate when it comes to studying for WNBA games is that I am never starting from scratch. Maybe I shouldn't say never, maybe a couple of years, you know, if there's a Rebecca Gardner who comes along, you might be like, okay, who's this? This is going back a little ways, uh, but really that helps a lot is having that institutional knowledge that when you go into it, having that, you're really looking at that specific matchup and making it really topical for that game. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, you know, me personally, I've, I've never dealt with that side of things. I mean, it, you can mm-hmm. prepare as much as you can as when you're covering games, you know, just from a, yeah. you know, a, a reporter standpoint or a writer standpoint, but it's it's a whole other world when you're when you're trying to do it live and and kind of you know you want to be prepared on the fly which is the toughest thing so you almost have to over prepare. Um, that's and right, and you try to have as much in your head as possible so you're mm-hmm. not hunting around on your sheet. A lot of people will come up to me and they're they're like, "How do you read this? Like, there's <laughs> so many words. It's small. It's a little bit different. Marnie is more sparse with her preparation, um, which it certainly is. Just depends on how you like to look at things and like what visually is going to work for you. But I'm just like. I'm going to have it all down in case I need it. It's going to be right there for me. So it's just a different process for everyone. Yeah. It's like when you get a note card at, uh, during a test, you try and write everything you can <laughs> on there. Cause you never know what you're going to, what you're going to have. I think that is the thing. I can't <laughs> deny that this is technically an open book test, yeah. but I still take it seriously. Like it's not <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, when it comes to, you know, we talked about your, your history of being around the links and just kind of covering the game. Do you have, do you have a favorite memory so far of, of when you've covered, you know, this team and, um, you know, throughout your time covering the links? Yeah. You know, what's funny is that, um, you know, I might pick something a little bit different. So I've been around the team since 2018. I covered them that season for the athletic was then the radio broadcaster and then moving in to the TV side. But I think the moment, the most memorable one I would pick was actually before I had 
anything to do with the Minnesota Lynx. And that was when I first moved to Minnesota in 2016. It was the end of August, beginning of September. I didn't have a job yet. I didn't know what was going on. I was in a brand new place, 1500 miles away from where I went to college and where I had been living before. And one of the first things we did, like cardboard boxes still all over our apartment, not even unpacked yet, was go see the Lynx in the 2016 WNBA finals. And I can't remember if it was game one or game two that we went to, but I just remember walking into that environment at Target Center and thinking, this is the place. This is the place I want to be for an extended period of time. And we're now going on seven years of living here. And I've still feel that sense of appreciation for women's sports because that's what it was that was the impression when I had been here just about a week and that's what I was looking for people that show up that support and who back up that support with their presence and that was the immediate impression very early on and a very good impression to have that has definitely withstood the last couple of years but I would say that was a, a very memorable thing for me and then just being able to see that group in person that I had been, excuse me, that I had been following for the last several years. Um, so seeing that in person as a fan, not knowing what was to come and being around the team, uh, that was a pretty special thing. I, I, it's kind of strange, but that's one of my, you know, first memories too, is that the 26 or not first memories, but one of my yeah. more from, uh, you know, memorable moments is, um, you know, that 2016 WBA finals. And I actually, so I worked for the Lynx in 2007. All right. Well, the Wolves and Lynx, I started the end of 16 and worked into 2017. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't work with the Lynx until our deal with the Lynx until that 2017 season. But when I started with the Timberwolves, um, you know, during that 2016 season, I ended up going to right before that, I ended up going to game five of the, the 2016 WNBA finals, oh, which was wow. the the infamous NECA game, or I guess yeah. you could say the, the famous NECA game that they they ended up winning, um, obviously on that last second shot, um, controversial as it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, it you know, that was one of those moments too that it's like, holy cow, like I I knew that they they could they could pack the target center and Lynx fans were were rowdy and loud and fun and supportive, but until you get in that environment, it it's it's unreal. And I I still have not well, maybe with the exception of the 2017 WNBA, WNBA finals, it was a different venue, but I still have not really experienced anything like that finals um, since yes. that point. But it it's great to it's a great introduction. Once you once you get that, you're you're in, you're you're hooked. So I, I hear you. And that was the thing too, is like that appreciation because I had grown up going to Sparks games. I grew up in Los Angeles, spent the first 18 years of my life there. So, but after, you know, when I was in college and for several years after I was living in a place that didn't have a team in, uh, in Buffalo, New York. So I was so excited to finally get back where there is one. And there was just, okay, this is right. This is how it's supposed to be where I can go at any single time, whenever I want to. Uh, and that was just such a relief to have back in my life again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, uh, you know, outside of the team, or I guess out, not outside, but kind of more specific about the team, do you have any pl favorite player or, um, you know, coach or personality or anything like that, that is kind of sticks out to you? Maybe a couple players that, that, that you have enjoyed following and covering over the years? Yeah, I think that's uh, an interesting question because there are so many. Mm -hmm. I think it's really well established the kind of players that, um, you know, Cheryl Reeve tends to bring in. 
And I think the easiest answer, and I don't even mind giving the most obvious answer, it is uh, the greats uh, in Sylvia Fowles and Simone Augustus. Uh, Sylvia, because she's such a light of a person. I mean, we heard when her, her jersey went up in the rafters at Target Center and throughout her career, her final retirement year when she got to say goodbye throughout the WNBA, just every great thing said about her is true. It is not hyperbole. It is not people searching for things to say. It is not any kind of, um, you know, just trying to be generous for the sake of her. It is true and it is authentic how great of a person she is. The hugs that she give can confirm those are the best you will ever have. And then Simone too is someone who would always be a little bit hesitant talking to media, was never super enthusiastic about it, but always very polite, very easy to work with. But then she would say the most, insightful and substantive things she would be funny as well and you're just sitting there thinking I'm I'm talking to I'm listening to the thoughts of future hall of famers and that's a pretty special thing uh to look at and who also happen to be really fantastic people as well you know I also have to say too is that I also appreciate coach Reeve as well she is someone who is I've learned so much from just from listening to just having those conversations, um, you know, and obviously having so much respect for her basketball experience and knowledge, even if it's not about the team, even if it's just some kind of wider question, I'm very interested in, in her thoughts about things, what she thinks about players, certain matchups, um, and just her entire experience basketball itself you will learn things from her if you sit in on press conferences I'm sure you can speak to that too I feel like there's always something that I'm gonna be walking away from so I feel like we've been pretty lucky with the links but I would maybe the easy answer all the greats here uh but certainly those uh, I've been really fortunate to be around have conversations with and to listen and learn from mm-hmm. during those those the, the that dynasty stretch it almost seemed like there was a, a mix of the best personalities you had Lindsay Whalen, who's a jokester, but could be serious. Um, you had, you know, like you said, Simone, who's running away from the PR department when we're trying to get her for media availabilities. And as soon as she gets into the media availability, she's awesome. Yeah. Um, you have, you know, <laughs> Rebecca, who's kind of, I guess you could say Rebecca and Maya, who are a little bit, you know, more quiet and maybe a little reserved, but they were very insightful. Yeah. And then you have Syl, who's just the, like you said, she's just, she's just great. She's not a great player, but a great human being. And, and yeah, that, that entire group was awesome. Um, and then I also echo what you said about, what about Cheryl, like you sit down and every time you listen to her, it's, it's like listening to one of the best basketball minds ever. Like you yeah. could just sit there and listen to her talk. And, and she, the thing I like about her too, is she, she's very personable at the same time. She knows everybody that's there. She knows who you are, what you're doing, who you work for. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I talked to her this off season and, and she's like, Oh, are you still living in, you know, the city I live in? I'm like, how did you know that? But she, that's Cheryl. She knows everything, and that's great. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a fun team to to you know to cover, and I, I think a lot of WNBA teams are like this. They the Lynx want well, I shouldn't say all of them, but um, you know a lot of teams, specifically the Lynx, want coverage. They they're they're helpful in providing coverage, and and you know they want to help you know to help the media help them, and and you know vice versa, and it's it's a great relationship to have. And that's, that's something that I think is, a, is unique with the WNBA is that relationship there. Um, and that, that kind of working relationship that you don't always get with, with other leagues. So I, th- I think that's, that's a great thing to have. And that's only going to help grow the game, which is ultimately what everybody wants. 
Yes, it is very much like I selfishly love to have these conversations. Like even we will go into the pregame availabilities for opposing coaches at Target Center. And sometimes there might be one person on Zoom. Sometimes there's zero. So sometimes it's just the three of us who get to have basically this one-on-one availability with an opposing coach. And just because this is most recent in my mind too, it's also why I appreciate someone like Stephanie White as well with the Connecticut Sun because she understands how it works. She is a broadcaster herself as well. So she is extremely, you know, open and great working with the media because she understands what it's like to be on that side. And I think you're right that that can only help in this league because when you get more of that contact, less of the, you know, more canned answers because it's just a giant group of a media gaggle, or maybe this coach is over it because he's been dealing with this much media coverage throughout his career. It is different because you want that, you want their presence. So I think you can definitely detect that in how teams do respond to media and then we all benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it. I, I kind of want to transition a little bit um, into, into into a little bit more basketball talk. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we kind of we talked a little bit about your your first um, you know game of the year. You know, subbing in for Leah with doing some color. Um, that was you know the other night um, during Pride Night against Connecticut. Um, you know that that game was was a little bit of a I don't want to say step back, but we've we've kind of been on this roller coaster ride with with the Lynx this season where you you ride the lows, lowest of the lows. And then, then they, they, you know, kind of turn things around for maybe a game or two. And then it's, they kind of, you know, kind of go back down and in, you know, the, I guess you could say the wrong direction or, you know, below expectations. Um, you know, we're, we're sitting going into the new week. We're at, you know, we're at four and nine right now, or the link trap four and nine sitting, you know, in, in one of those bottom four spots in the league, you know, around that 10, nine, 10, 11 mark. What are your thoughts on, on the link so far in, you know, look, we we weren't expecting. You know, I think you and I can both you know, admit that we weren't expecting the Lynx to have a great season this year. Maybe kind of like what they had last year, but they're still in that transition. They're still in that rebuilding mode. Um, you know, when coming into the season, did you know? Now that we see the team about a month into the year, um, you know, is is it kind of matching expectations? Or I guess overall, what are your what are your thoughts so far on what we've seen from the Lynx? Well, it's clear the Lynx have had an opportunity to have a better record. There have been multiple games that have slipped through them. It is clear that they are capable of beating a good chunk of the league. If you look at Atlanta and Los Angeles, clearly they have uh, you know, a very good time against. And coming up, we're going to see them against Seattle and Phoenix in their upcoming schedule. Those are very winnable games as well. But it's clear, and I think this goes for everyone in the WNBA, that there is a very clear line of demarcation. I'm still... A little iffy about Washington. I could put them in the top two. Certainly there's arguments could that could be made for, you know, Chicago, for example. But to me, it feels like the three teams, which is Las Vegas and Connecticut and New York and really everybody else. And there's going to be teams fighting for those four through eight seeds. And Minnesota is going to be possibly somewhere in there, possibly outside. Uh, but what I think is interesting about this season is that This is even coming from Reeve, the president of basketball operations, where she has taken this long-term approach. And I think her comments um, are proving that they are not looking at just this season. They are looking at the progress and development for years on out. Reeve has talked about, even as recently as a couple weeks ago, earlier in this month, they're aware of the, in her words, transcendent point guards that could be available in this next year's draft. 
We don't know the exact plans of Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers, but we do know how much Reeve values a point guard. That is an extension of her on the floor, a person she has to have that connection and trust in. And that's been difficult to find since Lindsay Whalen retired. Just frankly, she's not found that exact fit that she's looking for. So I think Reeve is looking for that long-term output. And just speaking you know, personally, I believe in sports overall, no matter what league it is, what sport it is, men's or women's, the toughest spot to be in is that 500 team, that eight seed, seven seed. What does that do? You get into the playoffs, you could technically compete for a championship, but are you competing for a championship? And Reeve even said this, and this is, uh, this is verbatim, but this is her words. Sometimes you need to take a step back before you go forward again. She used the example after they got beat by 31 points against the Las Vegas Aces. So again, you're looking at, you know, pretty significant drubbings against the Aces and the Sun recently showing that, you know, disconnect between that top of the WNBA and, and many other teams. And she said, look at this franchise, look what they were when they were San Antonio. And now they have four number one overall picks on that team. It doesn't take a genius or an analytics department to know that that's a really good formula to have in order to win games and to compete for championships. And that's a team you could very much seeing go back to back for the first time in the WNBA in 20 years. So for me, I can also see, you know, it's frustrating for fans. There haven't been a lot of uh, wins, especially at home. Uh, I know that series against Los Angeles was, you know, a really positive thing, but I think it also is going to really be beneficial to think about that long-term approach as well, because the higher you are in the draft, that is also going to benefit you. We still have not seen what Diamond Miller is capable of, but I've seen her throughout her entire four years at Maryland and what she's capable of. And we should all be really excited to see what she's going to do. Um, but also it's just hearing Reeve talk about more of that long-term approach made me feel like, okay, this is really, I think where things are leading to with this franchise. Mm -hmm. I think it would be a little different in, you know, a lot of people kind of forget about the, you know, the draft lottery and how that works with the two year span yes. of, of, you know, kind of keeping those records into account. I mean, one team you could have, you know, a great year, one year, you know, prior, if let's say the Lynx did end up making the playoffs or let's say they even, you know, they, get, they had like, you know, I don't know, let's say they got the, like the fourth, fifth seed last year. And then they have the year like they have this year, they're probably still not going to get a great pick, but the fact that they did have a, you know, a down year last year, it, it's I don't want to say that they're trying to lose because players don't try to lose. They're they're playing for their livelihood. This is their lives right now. They're they're trying to play for a spot in the WNBA. But if they do end up, you know, as one of these bottom two teams, that's that's an OK thing. I think that they'll take that right now with, you know, everything considered of being in that transition period. I think the, the you know best case scenario for Minnesota is they're able to, you know, be competitive, um, you know, develop those pieces that we talked about those prospects and also get one of those top picks that's best case scenario because then that's when things start to progress this offseason will be huge with if they can get a top pick you know, maybe clear some cap space maybe go out and grab you know some players in free agency or re-sign some players that's when we're going to start seeing changes made um, but yeah I mean it's it's weird to say being bad could be good at the same time in in how it's you know, it's kind of a win-win situation. Either the Lynx are winning or they're at, 
at the bottom where they're going to end up probably winning in the end. You know, it, it's, it's a weird spot to be in, but like you said, I, I, I understand how it's frustrating for fans and fans don't want to see it, especially after what they just came out of, what the links just came out of in that stretch over the last decade. It's not easy transition. It's not an easy thing to deal with. Um, but every, like we, you know, we've seen in the past, every team deals with this and it's, it's now Minnesota's turn to kind of, kind of ride that wave and kind of go through that progress. But. And that's why everything you said is exactly right. But I think that's why there is this, you know, kind of understanding of like, when you are just kind of floating around in this, it, I call it kind of a purgatory of being good to okay. And that's not exactly where you want to be for an extended period of time. Now there is going to be, you know, other teams that are looking toward the future as well. And that's the thing I bring up Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers, but I think there is also really great players coming up as well. You look at Rakia Jackson out of Tennessee, Cameron Brink as well. That is a game changer on defense that you could potentially get with the Stanford forward. So yes, it is about those two. And Reeve has even, you know, made allusions to this as well, saying, you know, when they were talking after that 2018 season, she said this just recently, that we looked at what the next couple of drafts were going to be like, and we felt like this is not quite the time to go that route, uh, just not feeling like there were particular players that they felt at that time were going to be franchise changing. And we know that, that of course, it's still early on. If you look at, you know, 2020, 2021 and 22, or maybe 19 through uh, 21, um, 21, especially, you know, there have been some hits and misses there for sure in those drafts. And, but now things are different. I think now we're getting to a point, if you look at this year and next year, those are really ones to get excited about and finding pieces that all you can really build around that you can see and envision being those superstars. And that's how you really get back to that point of, yes, we are competing for championships at this point, but it is not easy to be able to build that kind of contender. And that's why I think Reeve was also using that San Antonio, Las Vegas example as well about how they turned it around and how much they did. Mm -hmm. You, you kind of touched on what I, I kind of wanted to transition to next with, with the college game. I mean, you do, we've, we talked about it earlier on, you have a good pulse on the college game. You've been around the college game and you know, the prospects that, you know, you've seen the prospects, you've covered the prospects that are, are potentially going to be coming out in the draft. How talented do you think, you know, everybody's talked about this draft and, you know, being one of the most talented drafts we've seen in, in recent history. How, if, and now it's, it's weird because we don't know who's going to be in it yet. Yes. I mean, we don't know exactly who's going to be coming out. We're almost um, done with the COVID fifth year. Right. I know that seems crazy to say because it wasn't 2020, like two years ago, but uh, soon it's going to be a, a more solid picture. But yes, we, we you're right. We, we're not exactly sure. Yeah. And what I guess, what what do you think that, you know, this this draft class could look like and, and who are, you know, maybe some players that, that Minnesota could target? I know obviously everybody knows, you know, Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark, like you mentioned, but let's say they don't come out, you know, it, it, it still could be a talented draft. And, and I guess, who do you think that they might go after you? We talked about that point guard. You did mention, you know, Rakia Jackson and some other, and some other names before. What, what do you think that might look like, um, you know, this, this upcoming season? Yeah, you know, it would be, and this is kind of a strange thing too. And this is something that I have not been able to ask Reeve, but something that I have been interested in is maybe what she thinks about, or maybe just around the WNBA, um, about players who do take that fifth year. I'm thinking of Rakia Jackson, for example, and she did, you know, transfer in her career, but 
I wonder if on the WNBA side, you want players who want to be there as quickly as possible, who want to compete against the best, the first chance that they have. Now, of course, NIL has changed that equation, certainly, but I imagine a lot of these deals and a lot of these brands are going to follow the player for who they are, not necessarily the university they're affiliated with. I'm pretty sure Caitlin Clarkson will be okay in branding herself, whether she's wearing Iowa across her chest or a WNBA team. So it's still early on. I am still interested to see how that uh, plays out in the years to come. But I, of course, did, uh, you know, bring up Cameron Brink, Rakia Jackson, and how could I forget Angel Reese, of course, too. And that's something where her talent, her ability to dominate the glass, um, I think is something that's going to be very enticing and very transferable to the WNBA because of how feisty, strong, determined she is to get those boards. And she's someone, too, who I have a little bit of insight on because I saw her at Maryland for a couple of years, I was able to hear other coaches talk about her, hear Brenda Freeze, the Maryland head coach, talk about her as well. And she has always been that kind of all out effort player when it comes especially to hitting the glass. And you think about could she be someone who's able to expand her offensive game as opposed to being that kind of head down, go to the basket at every single opportunity? Can she expand out and really develop that jump shot? Uh, but Haley Van Lith. Could she be available too? She's someone who I think got her bachelor's degree in three years. So she's already off to LSU. She's someone who could be enticing, um, maybe as point guard, but maybe as a shooting guard as well. Um, Aaliyah Edwards is another game. I know that there are coaches that are really enamored with JC Sheldon. Again, another plug for Big Ten women's basketball. If you are not watching her at Ohio State, you definitely should be. But I think those are some names. Uh, Charisma Osborne is another one who uh, was going to enter this year's draft, decided to go back to UCLA. And of course, I'm not privy to those, um, you know, decisions, but I, you know, she's now going to be entering into a much more crowded draft as well. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. So I think all those names that I mentioned show that for next year, potentially, because we don't know who is going to be returning for their extra years, there's a lot of depth there where even if you do pick outside the top two, you feel like you're going to get a quality player. And that's what makes this year and the next one too, I think, especially exciting and compared to the last couple. Mm -hmm. It could even be, you know, a draft that, if you have a you know first and a second round pick, you could get two solid players. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it's almost kind of to some extent like I, I I maybe view it as what the Lynx did with um you know finding Crystal Dangerfield in the second round. You know, maybe maybe yeah. they end up finding something like that in in the second round. Maybe it's not a point guard necessarily, but maybe it is another another role player. I think if if Caitlin Clark and, and Paige Becker's let's say both of them do end up coming out, um, you know, in this draft, then that obviously makes it a little bit deeper because that pushes everybody yes. else down a little bit, but it, it's intriguing to think about it. And it, it's all fluid and it's all up in the air right now. We, we don't know what they, where their minds are at, what they're thinking. Um, do you, do you, I guess, do you think, and I've, I've talked about this a little bit with, uh, with some previous guests, do you think that who is atop the board could play a factor in, you know, Paige Beckers or Caitlin Clark coming out. Let's say maybe the links are number one. Do you think they, that maybe that kind of pushes the needle for them to decide to come into the WNBA? That is a very good question, but also a very hard question to mm -hmm. answer. I would want to think, yes, if the Minnesota links, let's just use them as an example. If the Minnesota links are drafted number one, you're thinking, all right, I'm going to come in there. I'm going to be a teammate of Nafisa Collier. 
uh, I'm going to have, you know, good pieces around, depending on what that roster looks like. But clearly, Fee is, you know, the cornerstone of this franchise right now for good reason and an Olympian. I'm going to go play for the Team USA head coach who has won multiple championships, who wants to win, who can develop this winning team and has done so from that 2010 season into becoming the, the dynasty that they became through 2017 that maybe sounds like a good place to go, a place where you're going to have those crowds. I know that that's something Caitlin Clark has talked about because she's been open saying, I haven't decided yet, but it is a possibility either way that I return or I come out this year. And something she talked about was the crowds, how exciting it is to play at Carver Hawkeye Arena. And I can speak to that personally, having called you know, almost a dozen games there throughout her college career. When you're getting 15,000, 12,000, plus to come to your games and she's even someone when it comes to the road crowds that she draws as well where she plays into the opposing crowd and she'll put her hand over her ear like let me hear it you know if we're going up at this point the Hawkeyes are like she toys with the crowd she loves it she loves the attention positive or negative as well and she can take it so I think Finding an environment, which you do have in Minnesota, where you have that fan engagement, that dedication, that is going to be enticing as well. I mean, Paige speaks for herself, right? Um, you know, being able to play in her hometown, be near her family. Uh, but you think about Caitlin, too, that being very close to her hometown. She's very close with her family. You think about how many Hawkeye fans would come up and see games. So I think all of those would make it pretty enticing for those at the top if it was potentially Minnesota to use that. And as an example, uh, and that's just me putting myself into the shoes of a, a Gen Z superstar basketball player, of which I am neither of those things. Uh, but I would think those kind of circumstances would make it pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that would at least be that would at least play a factor in the, in their decision. I mean, I don't know if, you know, if, if Indiana is atop the, you know, the, the draft board or Minnesota, I don't, I don't know necessarily how much that will make a difference, but I think it would make a little bit of a difference just because like you said, we, they do have kind of that unique relationship with Minnesota and obviously Paige being from here, Caitlin, you know, she was just at a Timberwolves game or whatever in the playoffs yeah. like that, you know, she, she enjoys being here too. And it, it's intriguing. I mean, I, I guess, if if it comes to that, that's a good problem to be in and good problem to have if you're the Lynx at that point because you're getting a talented player, whether it's, you know, Paige, Caitlin, or somebody else. I mean, that's – even if you have a, maybe even a top three pick, you're still probably in a good spot to get a, a really talented player. But it's it's intriguing to think about. And, and it's also intriguing to think about the other side of things and going back to school, like you said, um, you know, the NIL deals that, that a lot of college players have, just having that – maybe expanded exposure in the college game that, you know, it seems like the college game does a little bit better of marketing their, you know, their, their product a little bit more maybe than the WNBA does. So, you know, kind of having that expanded exposure, um, whether it's TV, you know, March Madness, whatever it may be, but maybe that's intriguing. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't speak to that because I'm sitting here and they're, they're playing basketball, but um, it, it's, it's interesting to think about. And I don't know, I, I've just, I've thought of that, you know, throughout this whole process that, you know, potentially that that could could maybe persuade things or kind of push the needle for if they're on the either of those players are on the fence or both of them. But yeah, I think that's a really good point because there are so many different dynamics. And I think we are entering 
kind of a new era when it comes to women's sports because we are seeing what those television ratings are look like when it is easily accessible to find those games or when you have those personalities that have been pushed out or how they've branded themselves on social media. So I think we're still walking into this different frontier and the players know that. They know the kind of power that they have and bring with them and how that might you know transform in the WNBA as well. But you're right, it could be chartered flights. It could be you know going to class. I Like I said earlier, I liked going to class, uh, even though I was excited to graduate at the same time too. But uh, you never know what those circumstances are for each person. And just you're right that there is really a lot at play here for these current athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see that. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of things. We, we still have, you know, over, you know, half of the season to play. We're, we're still not done with the WNBA season yet, but it's intriguing to think about the future because, you know, we, that's all we've talked about with, with the links, you know, leading up to the year. And even now is, is that long game that we talked about and, and kind of focusing on the future, the now and the future, but yes. um, it's, you, you can't help but just kind of think of what, what's ahead. And, and especially when you have a draft class like that, it's, it's intriguing to think about not only for the top team, but for maybe the top, you know, six teams in the league, but um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. I think a lot of people are going to be watching college basketball this year just to, you know, maybe a little bit more than more than normal, just because of those talented players and and all the talent that is in the college game. It's it's crazy that that they're I don't know. It's it's great a great product that that they have, and and there's a lot of talent spread throughout the country. But um, and they're all joining forces now. We we kind of have the super team era in college college basketball. It seems like, but it's fun. Yeah, that will be interesting to see, Uh, you know, LSU and I mean, Anissa Morrow is going to be someone to watch in, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple of years as well to have those three on the same roster in Baton Rouge. But you're right. I mean, anyone, of course, is welcome on the bandwagon. Anytime we know that as women's basketball fans, you want to invite people on, you want to get them to watch. But um, it is a really special, special time for women's college basketball because of those personalities, because of the teams. Um, There is really a lot to watch and look forward to. And then, you know, continuing that into the WNBA and really seizing on that. I feel like that's mm-hmm. something a reporter or even myself thinks about or asks every time, you know, Kathy Engelbert ends up making an appearance and we had her on a broadcast a couple of weeks ago where it's like so much happened this last season, even for someone like myself who has been following this sport this my entire life that final four, that NCAA tournament felt like there was just a new shift up another gear. Um, and how you seize on that, I think I'll be, you know, very interested to see too, the, the tangible effects of this couple next draft classes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why we talk about expansion too, is because there's so much talent that has come out and will come out. And, you know, it, 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 it where are they going to go? Like, I, I, there's just, there's just so few spots and I, that's why the expansion is so intriguing and a roster expansion of just creating more opportunities for players. And, you know, looking at the, you know, the year ahead and a couple years ahead, it's like, I, I don't know where everyone's going to fit, but it's, I don't know. It, it's a good problem to have because it just, it only, you know, increases, whoops, it only increases the, uh, the talent that, you know, the, or the level of basketball that's on display. So it, it, it'll be good, I think, but um, kind of shifting away, just, just to kind of wrap things up, shifting away from target center where the links play shifting to another venue um, in the, in the twin cities area. I saw on social media that you went to see uh, one Taylor Swift last night. Is that true? I did. Yes. Seeing her very first show of <laughs> 
back-to-back nights at U.S. Bank Stadium. I had never seen a concert at U.S. Bank Stadium. I had never seen Taylor Swift before. But it's been it's been a long journey, Mitchell, because we're the same age. So I feel like I've kind of grown up along with her as well. And, um, you know, what's funny is that I wasn't even really a major fan when I was in high school, when, again, you know, being the same age. And, you know, I was I wasn't an emo or scene kid by any means, but I did listen to a lot of that. And it wasn't until later on that you realize, hey, this is an extremely talented person. Mm-hmm. and being like okay this is what I've been missing which has a lot of factors to it and um you know it took me too long to like really discover her entire catalog but it was so so fun to just explore everything to see this huge huge production and uh you know to see the way she captivates everyone I mean you can see the reviews in the Pioneer Press and the Star Tribune just how much they gushed about that experience but it was all around fantastic and I you know what Mitchell I didn't even have the same problems people did I got my tickets off StubHub and uh so no you know wanting to uh you know throw your computer out the window working (laughs) with Ticketmaster so I didn't even have to go through that but no it was a fantastic night and like just sharing this appreciation with uh a whole lot of other people 64,000 I think is what it was. <laughs> it, I saw some pictures. It was absolutely packed, and and, yes. and that's great. I mean, it's that's what that's what concerts are for, and that's that's the kind of nostalgic moments that you wanna wanna create with people, and that's what I personally love about going to see live concerts. And every time, every time you go to see a live concert, it's you leave there and you never say, "Why did we go to that?" It's always, oh, no. "I'm glad I went to that." So it's it's great. That's that's awesome. But I I had to I had to bring that up because it's been a it's been a big topic here in, in Minnesota for, yes. for the, if any listeners are outside of Minnesota, they're asking what what are we talking about? But everybody inside of Minnesota understands what uh, what this weekend was meant for a lot of people. So yeah, in my that's- former life as a news reporter, I imagined myself this week of going to the press conference to announce Swiftiapolis and. Uh, <laughs> That's the kind of week it's been, yeah. <laughs> but I still oh, yes. enjoyed it greatly. <laughs> I did even see at Starbucks, they had uh, Taylor Swift themed drinks. Um, I I think I'm it was in Twin Cities area somewhere. So I I don't know how or what that all entailed, but I know that each name had, I think it was maybe a song name to each one of her, okay. one of those drinks. So People can have fun with that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it uh it's it's been it's been interesting here, but it, it's almost like the Super Bowl coming to Minnesota. So it it's it's been it's been interesting but that that's great but well sloan that's that's really all i have for you i i really appreciate you taking some time um had a great conversation and um i i look forward to more coverage from you look forward to tuning into valley sports north everybody else should should you know not only valley sports north with um you know WNBA coverage other coverage but like you said um you know big 10 network and you know the college game and and everywhere else you are and on social media so um, thank you again for joining and and I appreciate all your coverage and all you do for for the links WNBA and and the game of basketball so thanks again yeah I appreciate it Mitchell been enjoying the podcast and uh, thanks again thank you to Sloan for joining me on the podcast this week like I said earlier it's it's always great to talk to her to, to kind of hear her perspective um, and to also kind of dive into the broadcast side of things as I mentioned I, I haven't really covered too much of of the broadcast side of of the game um, and so it was great to talk to her um, kind of get some insight, kind of get a you know behind the scenes look on what all goes into that preparation and and what all goes into the, you know the job that she has and 
as well as as you know broadcasters around the nation. So um, thank you once again to Sloan. It was great to talk to her, and and I look forward to to chatting with her, um, you know, on the podcast maybe in the future, but but for sure, um, you know, just in general about basketball and and things going on um, around the links. I also want to give a shout out, as we do every week, to Jeremy Rushing for producing this podcast. Does a great job of producing uh, the podcast every week and and making everything sound um, neat and tidy. So thank you, Jeremy. I also want to um, bring up um, uh, you know our Patreon page. Uh, you know that's something that I've I've been been working tirelessly on over the last um, you know basically since the the, the WNBA season started um, in providing some top notch coverage that you don't get elsewhere uh, through our Patreon page. Um, if you're able to, um, please consider at least going to check it out. Maybe starting a seven day free trial, test it out, see how you like it. If you do like it. Um, and, you, and you are able to uh, maybe support with, with um, you know, it's, it's less than a co- cup of coffee, coffee each month um, to support our Patreon page. There's a lot of great perks, including early access, bonus coverage, um, and, and other discounts on merchandise. Um, I just released the information about the Hitting the Hardwood store. There's, um, you know, a 25% discount for all of our patrons. And if you, um, you know, are a newsletter um, subscriber, you can also get 25% off if you go to, to the Hitting the Hardware store. Um, so go check that out, and, and there's a lot of great stuff, but but like I said, go check out the Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. Um, you know, like I said, you'll receive a lot of exclusive perks and, and much more as, you know, as, as part of being uh, a patron and, and part of our Patreon community. Um, so more to come with that, and, and I look forward to providing some exclusive coverage to all of our patrons. Um, I also want to give out a, a shout out to um, a few of our partners. One is Homage, one is Better Edge, and one is Playback. Um, we, we have um, right now we have a partnership with all three of those those areas and three of those companies. Um, I'll start with Homage. Homage, you know, it provides a lot of vintage gear um, that is is really comfortable, really great, and it has great designs. Um, please go check out Homage. It's H O M A G E dot com. You can you can check out a lot of link stuff, WNBA stuff. You can go check out NBA stuff. You can go check out MLB stuff. You can NFL, whatever you may you know want to go look into. Um, there's a lot of cool vintage stuff. There's a lot of, you know, just logo gear. Um, I have the, the Lynx, um, uh, blue hoodie. I have the Lynx blue, uh, t-shirt. I have the WNBA kind of charcoal color shirt. Love all three of them. I definitely plan on getting more. Um, so go check them out. And, and if you, uh, go check out, um, hitting the hardwood on social media and there are some special links, um, to homage that if, if you click on those links, you purchase an item, um, uh, hitting the hardwood will get uh, a percentage of those proceeds. So if you want to go buy something and you want to support hitting the hardwood, best of both worlds. Um, so I appreciate you guys um, going to check them out. Um, when it comes to Better Edge, that's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. Uh, Better Edge, go check out betteredge.com. That is where you can bet on games with, with other people. You can bet on games against me. You can bet on you know slates of WNBA games. Let's say there's three games one night. Um, you can, you, you know, I oftentimes run pick'em leagues. Um, yeah, that, that you can join and, and you can compete against me, take my money. Um, yeah, that, that, that's by all means okay with me. If you want to come take my money, that's, I, more often than not, I lose. So um, why not come take my money? So you go do that. Check out, if you go do, do go check out betteredge.com forward slash links. Use the promo code when you sign up of links, L-Y-N-X. If you do that, you get $20 in free play. So go check that out. Um, at least go check it out for for the free play if you want, um, and just kind of see how see how you like it. If you don't like it, I highly doubt that you won't like it. But if you don't, whatever. But if you, I guarantee you that you will enjoy it, um, and, and you should definitely go check them out. And like I said, come take my money. Um, lastly, playback. Uh, myself and Jack Borman from Canis Hoopus, we recently started uh, playback. 
which um, you know we we do um, Lynx Live, which live broadcasts of of Lynx games, or we rewatch Lynx games. Um, throughout each month, we will do around a handful of games. We'll do some live games, um, though those live games will be away games. We understand a lot of you Lynx fans who are listening, you're at the home games, so we want you to join in on the away games if you are, um, you know, want to come watch the game live with us. Um, you can hear our commentary, hear our breakdown of the games, um, and, and you can also ask questions and, and just watch with other fans. It's, it's basically you watching the game live as you would on your television, just you're with us. Um, and, and so please go check that out. Um, we will also do some um, some rewatch games, as I mentioned. So, for instance, uh, we'll let's say the the Lynx are playing Connecticut uh, one night. Maybe a couple nights later, you know, they play Connecticut at home. A couple nights later, we'll rewatch that game and break that game down, kind of like watching film. Um, so, come check us out. Uh, go check out um, Lynx Live. That's um, on playback. That's playback.tv forward slash Lynx Live, um, or you can find it on on social media. Um, you can you can find it on Hitting the Hardwoods, um, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So go check that out. Um, and also, if you are able to, please uh, subscribe to the Hitting the Hardwood newsletter. Um, that That's where I provide really all the information that you can get in one space. And it's it's free to sign up weekly. It comes out every week. Um, so go, uh, you can also find that out on, on social media, Hitting the Hardwood. Uh, find Follow us on social media and to get all that information. So with all of that said... I really appreciate you uh, tuning into another episode this week. I will definitely be back next week again with another episode. Um, I'm really excited about a couple um, upcoming guests I'm working on to to come on to the podcast. Um, A few that are um, maybe a little bit more um, of of a national focus, but um, it'll be, you know, they're they're very tuned into the links and we'll we'll talk a lot of links basketball in, in this podcast as well. So make sure you come back. We'll be back on Tuesday every week and I will see you all next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you.